0: Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Dallas Cowboys. This is the Cowboys Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary and Cowboys Wire editor, K.D. Drummond.
2: We, we, we have a good process in, in place. We spend a lot of time. Uh, working on our our game management, and, and there's a video education segment we do each and every week. So, you know, and this is like everything uh, this this season has presented to us. It's it's unique. It's been challenging, and and, and I think uh, clearly we we all have a lot of work to do. And you know this will this will be part of you know our evaluation process as we contil-
3: continue to move forward and start building our you know our plan for next year I don't know Katie is there a better way to describe this Cowboys season uniquely challenging as Mike McCarthy says right there I don't know if there's a better way to say it that's that's what it was
2: Yeah, it it was definitely a set of unique challenges for the team. Uh, They were not in the end able to overcome. Uh, We we talked about it basically each week throughout the throughout the year that uh, where we thought the team was going to be uh, the difficulties that they had in getting to that point. They never did get to that point of their uh, meeting their expectations. And now they have to sit back and regroup because, you know, all of the excuses that you can have, uh, you know, injuries and, you know, the pandemic with a, uh, a coaching regime they didn't have a chance to implement their strategy, their plan for the season. You know, other other teams were able to get through that and the Cowboys weren't. And the Cowboys clearly had, as as far as Jerry Jones will say, probably the most one of the most talented teams that he's ever had. Mike McCarthy said that it was as talented as any that he had in the 13 years in, in Green Bay, and they weren't able to get the job done. So there is going to be a lot of, um, you know, uh, pan wringing and contemplation about where they go from here. Uh, but, you know, as with is always the case, once you get to the offseason, you know, everything is rosy. Everything has a chance to no, turn itself around. So that's where the Cowboys are right now.
3: No doubt. Yeah, we, we're we on the 2021 officially. We wanted to, Katie. After after Dak got hurt, we were ready to get on to 2021 already, right? But we, we hung yep. on as long as we could. We're officially on to 2021. Uh, this is going to be the final episode of the Cowboys Wire podcast. I'm a little sad about that. It's been fun working with you, my man. Uh, yes, sir. So that's where we're at, and we'll start talking about some big picture things on this final episode. And I think... The first one on the list, at least on my list, it's one that we've been talking about at various points all season long. Jerry Jones is already talking about it. Mike McCarthy addressed it a little bit in his presser. Is the Dak Prescott contract, right? They can now officially start negotiating with Dak, and, and that's got to be number one on everybody's list. This is what we're all looking for. This is what any team that's looking for a quarterback wants to know what's going on with Dak Prescott, and there's a lot of layers to this. Jerry came out and interestingly said – something along the lines of Dak has all the leverage in the negotiations, and I guess when he gets hurt and you fall flat and, you know, seven wins could win the division, you can't get there. I guess that's a good way to put it. I mean, he feels like Dak has some leverage in the negotiations, and now it's... This is interesting, man. Now, where do these negotiations go? This is the third offseason. They're going to try to get a contract done, right? And now we have the yep. added wrinkle of not only Dak coming off the injury, but the salary cap being much different, much lower than years past due to the pandemic. So what's your leadoff thought on, I think, topic number one is Dak's negotiation has officially begun and where the Cowboys are going to be at with that here going forward?
2: Yeah, I think the key word there is officially because I don't think that they've ever stopped negotiating. Yeah. Um, you know, they, the, the rule is that they can't talk. They can't come to an agreement on anything except for a one year deal after you pass the July 15th deadline. But that doesn't mean that they haven't been discussing the parameters of a deal. They were so close. Uh, they just had basically some technicalities. They did not have enough time to work it out uh, prior to the deadline. They basically waited too long. Uh, back in July to get to the nitty-gritty and to where they were on the same page. And they basically ran out of time again. The deadline is that you have to have the deal into the league office by a certain time on that day. And as they grew close to an agreement and they were trying to hammer out the final things, they realized that they would not have enough time to agree on everything and then also write up the contract in the way that it had to be written to submit it. So they basically uh, put a moratorium on it. So... Then the season happened, and it got to the point where it's, you know, even like, as Jerry Jones says, even more leverage for Dak Prescott based on the fact that the Cowboys could not win without him. They basically fell flat on their face. They were averaging, you know, 30-plus points with him. They ended up averaging 21 points without him. Uh, A two-touchdown difference between your starting quarterback and your backup quarterbacks, that is a fair amount of leverage. But I find the most interesting thing is Jerry saying – publicly that Dak has all the leverage it kind of feels a bit like he's in cya mode yeah. basically saying that you know if he publicly says that Dak has all the leverage and a deal doesn't get worked out, then if the perception is that the Cowboys were willing to go above and beyond and Dak is being unrealistic, if they can't come up with an agreement, it just kind of smells like a bit of subterfuge coming out of Jerry Jones, which is basically what he's he's very good at it. So. I thought the same thing.
3: Uh, it's almost like he's spinning it before we even get to the real nitty gritty. Right. He's already
2: got the Dak. spin going. Exactly. And and the interesting thing is, of course, yes, they can negotiate now, but they can't do too much because you still don't know what the salary cap is going to be. And that was one of the main things that he said is that, uh, and everybody knows it, of course, is that the Cowboys cannot negotiate Prescott's contract in a vacuum. They need to pay him. They need to make him whole and make up, you know, for lost time and pay him at a salary that's uh, – is equivalent to what he is as an NFL star quarterback, but they also have other things that they need to do. So whether the salary cap is going to be $175 million, $195 million, all of those things come into play when you're trying to decide how you're going to structure this contract, let alone how many years it's going to be. That's the other thing. Dak Prescott wanted a four-year deal. The Cowboys wanted a five-year deal. Well, guess what? They played a whole year. Does Dak Prescott still want a four-year deal? Is he going to demand it at this point, or is he going relent and give them five years? Does he now only want three years because he only wanted four years to begin with? So all of these things still have to get played out and I don't think just because the window opened now that it's going to be a quick fix and we're going to rush to the finish line. Um, you know, it's possible but I just don't see that being in the card. I think this is still going to be a long drawn out situation. The Cowboys should have enough cap space to hit, the, hit him with a franchise tag, the 37.7 million million uh, second consecutive franchise tag number that he's going to get if the cap comes in at 195 million or above, they do not have to release anybody in order to tag him a second time. That was a big concern when it was 175 million that they were going to have to do some things with other contracts. But if it does come in around 195 million where it's been uh, rumored recently, then they at least have the wiggle room to tag him again. And for me, that means that it's going to be a long drawn out process while they work out the, uh, you know, dot, dot the eyes and cross the T's.
3: Yep. That would be interesting if they, if they do end up tagging him again, that'd be 37 million, right? accelerated uh, yep. tag. And yeah, th- I, that was also in my notes here, the length of the contract. Will his team and his agent be looking for a three-year deal? Will they be trying to put some type of, if it's more than a three-year deal, will they try to put some type of player option in there, right, uh, to give him an out if that's what he wants to do, if the salary cap does raise in the future when those new television contracts are expected to uh, to hit? so. Super interesting. I'm wondering what his price is going to be, right? Is are we, Is he looking for like super duper, like to use an NBA term, like super duper max type money, right? Like, is he looking for like <laughs> north of Deshaun Watson? Is he looking for something in the ballpark of Mahomes? Or is he looking to, you know, give Dallas a little bit of a discount and try to help fix all... You know all of these holes on the roster that the Cowboys need to go out and fix. It would be nice to have some money in the bank to do that. So, what is Dak's price going to be? Do you, do you have any inclination on that?
2: Yeah, uh, it, it's nothing but my opinion on where things can be. I don't see how you sign a year later after Deshaun Watson and not get more than Deshaun Watson. That's, that's just true. how yep. that's how the salary cap goes. Uh, you know, when you're dealing with quarterbacks, you get more than the guy that signed a year before you. Um, there's no reason to think that Deshaun Watson is in any position better than Dak Prescott based on the way that they've played so far through the parts of their career and how Dak looked early on in the season. Uh, Watson signed for $39 million a year. The more interesting part of that is that, yes, the average salary is what gets all of the headlines and the total guarantees when you're talking about if the guy gets injured and functional guarantees where if he's on the roster on the third day of the third league year, his fourth year salary is guaranteed. The true money that is concerning is the full guarantee. That's how much is guaranteed on day one of the contract. Contract, that if the guy goes out and breaks, you know, breaks his leg. You know, I hate to bring that up, but that's yes. what happened to Dak Prescott. Right. If he goes out and breaks his leg and can't play anymore, how much is he going to get? That money is $75 million. That's the baseline. That's how much Deshaun Watson had fully guaranteed in his contract. If the team just says, I don't want you anymore, he is guaranteed $75 million. That's the bottom line for Dak Prescott. I think he is going to end up more than that. I don't know whether or not he's going to come up on the total guarantee of somebody like uh, Patrick Mahomes. Because remember, Patrick Mahomes' contract was really two five-year contracts rolled into one. So his total guarantee money, the way that it's functionally guaranteed of one year leading to the other and leading to two years down the line, he ended up having total guarantees of $141 million on basically a a half-a-billion-dollar contract. I don't think Dak Prescott is going to get anything in that realm, but I could see him having total guarantees in the $110, $115 million mark Uh, area, which is where Washington was. And then the full guarantees, I think he's going to be above that 75 million. You got to remember where, Contracts are negotiated from the franchise tag, and is basically the crux of how teams negotiate the guaranteed money. So now you're looking at the franchise tag being 37.7 million dollars, and then if they were going to tag him a third time, it would be 50 plus million dollars. So that 90 million dollars is to me the floor of where Dak Prescott's negotiating from when it comes to his full guarantees. If you don't want to give him, you know, a long-term contract. If you want to tag him twice, you're going to pay him $90 million over the next two years. So why would his full guarantee in the long-term contract be anything less than that $90 million? So that's, I think, where it starts. And it's really crazy because, again, right now, Watson has $75 million. Aaron Rodgers has $79 million. $90 million is above and beyond. It's in a whole different stratosphere than any other quarterback has gotten in full guarantees. So all of that comes into play, how this all breaks down.
3: No, I think it's so interesting, and, and you brought up the uh, the guaranteed money. Uh, last year, KD uh, Jared Goff got 110 million guaranteed. So that is like, it's, it's, let's start Dak at like 120. He's better make, be making a lot more guaranteed than Jared Goff. That's all I got to say. I'm not a big yeah. Goff guy. Yeah, Goff got 110.
2: Carson Wentz got 108. Carson Wentz is not going to be the yeah, starting quarterback. Yeah, yeah. Year. So we so we, I mean, start, you know.
3: we start the conversation there, and it better be a lot higher. Uh, so that's I'm <laughs> but uh, I had this too, and this is apples and oranges. I made that NBA reference. You you know, Kevin Durant, he was coming off that Achilles injury, and he didn't give the Nets no discount when he was a free agent and he negotiated no, that sir. contract, right? That was super duper no, max, whatever it was. So that's another thing. Like, uh, I don't think just because Dak's coming off an injury, he and his agent are going in and being like, you know what, Jerry? Yeah, you know, you, you're right. There's, there's a little bit of an unknown with me coming off the broken leg. Let's, 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 let's knock it down a few ticks. I don't think that's going to happen at all.
2: Not at all. Not with the way the Cowboys played without him.
3: So much to get to on the Cowboys. We're going to talk about – I want to talk about McCarthy. We want to talk about the defense. We could talk about where the Cowboys are in the draft. Could have been better. I don't think the rooting guide really – the rooting guide really came through for us, Katie, in Week 17. The Giants <laughs> won the ball game, and they end up picking 11th, the Cowboys 10th. So we'll talk about that and maybe some of the other free agents aside from Dak. So a lot to get to in our final segment of the season. We'll do it coming up next. <laughs>
0: That? It's that time again. For the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire.
3: Hello, I'm Esti McLaren, joined by Jeff Clark of SportsbookWire.com and Bet Slippin' Podcast. The wildcard round is here. We have six-game playoffs late in the NFL this week. Jeff, I can't wait. We're going to tee up the Baltimore Ravens and the Tennessee Titans. BetMGM MGM Sportsbook has this pegged as a three-and-a-half-point line. Baltimore Ravens, road favorites. Plus 100 to cover and win by four. Yeah, I'm on the road favorites. I'll lay the three and a half. They're better on two sides of the ball, Uh, special teams and defense. They have a better coach or more experienced coach with a championship pedigree. And I don't see Lamar Jackson going 0 and 3 versus the Tennessee Titans. I want the Titans plus three and a half. That's too big for me. They can keep this within a field goal. Derrick Henry coming to the playoffs in excellent form. Ryan Tannehill in excellent season, and two great receivers there in AJ Brown and Corey Davis. Titans stay within three. I'll give the winning edge to the Ravens.
2: Just gonna run
0: this dog to see if we can find any type of uh,
1: human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. So we
3: heard from Mike McCarthy to start the show, KD, and I think he's got an out, right? I mean, with the Prescott injury, you, you talked about throughout the year about... Him coming in, not having a real true offseason to work with his team to implement his system, all that. I think all that is fair. But when I look at Mike McCarthy's season as a whole, I think it was largely a flop. I'm not going to give him an F, but I'm not going to give him a passing grade either. I'm like around a D, you know like, You know what I mean? Like He's got to do a little bit better with his game management. Uh, maybe he was a little rusty this year or what, but th- there was a lot of head-scratching moments this year with the fake punts and... You know, challenging plays, not challenging plays. There's just a lot that came into it uh, that it left you scratching your head. And for all the problems the Cowboys had this year, I don't think Mike McCarthy tops the list, but he was on the list. And there's a lot of guys that got to be better, a lot of areas that have to be better in 2021. But, you know, Mike McCarthy is, you know, he's, he's someone we're going to be watching. I don't think he's on the hot seat at all. We know he's going to be back. He's got to be better, though.
2: I think you hit the nail on the head. He is not on the hot seat. There is no concern, A, because the Joneses just don't fire head coaches easily. Uh, That's something that they've never done. Uh, We look at how long Jason Garrett was in charge. Um, You know, other other coaches have had tenures where you thought that they should have been gone quicker than they were, and the Joneses just don't do that. They don't fire head coaches for one reason because – the contract is fully guaranteed. And we know what Jason Garrett was making. He was making $6 million a year before he was, uh, you know, before he wasn't brought back with the Cowboys. So you know that Mike McCarthy signed for more than that. So the Cowboys have at least $24 million left to pay on Mike McCarthy's contract. But even above and beyond that, like I said, they don't fire coaches. Now I believe in Mike McCarthy. I've said it all the time. When we were talking about coaches that I wanted to see replace Jason Garrett, Mike McCarthy was the top of my list. I just, Yep. Yeah, he he was my guy. If, if they weren't going to trade draft picks for Bill Belichick or Sean Payton, I wanted Mike McCarthy. I still think that he is going to be a coach that can lead Dallas to a Super Bowl. But no, 2020 was not his best performance. He left a lot to be desired. Um, some of the stuff that he tried, I think, was building a foundation for how he wants the team to move forward. I think the aggressiveness that he showed in a lot of the situations, the fake punch and all of that, while they were in the moment, bad decisions. I think he was laying the groundwork for saying that he is going to be the type of coach that is going to do anything that he can to give his team an advantage. I think that works out in the long run, but it looked very bad when it didn't work in 2020. In this particular game against the Giants, he had two egregious errors of in-game coaching. He did not go for two points when all of the books say you go for two points, you're down five and not even just the books say that you go when you're down five, you go for two points to cut it to a three-point margin. The Cowboys were struggling. That was their first touchdown of the day and it happened in the third quarter. You need to make sure that you're within just one more score. If he had gone for that two-point conversion and made it, they would have been able to kick a field goal instead of having to go for the touchdown when they ended up throwing the interception down the stretch at the end. End of the game the Cowboys also had the issue of not challenging the catch the Dante Pettis catch um I don't blame him for that I think he's taking fire for the guy that makes the decision he can't see the replay they were in uh New York he couldn't see whether or not that was a catch the guy that he hired to tell him whether or not they need to challenge screwed up And I think maybe you want to, you know, make an argument about, well, just because of the situation that he should have challenged a challenge a play. But if the guy that is that you have hired to say whether or not a play is challengeable does not give you that go ahead, then the coach should not do it. Um, So I, I do blame him a little bit for that, but I more so put it on whoever is in charge in the booth of reviewing that and saying that they shouldn't have challenged it. I think he got bad intel in that situation. But yeah, overall, it's been several times on the year where things have not worked out with his decision making, but we can't only look at those things. There's been times where he's taken risks and it has worked. So, you know, we we tend to remember all of the bad stuff, but not the good stuff when it comes to coaching decision throughout the year. So I think, yes, it's Probably not a passing grade. I wouldn't give them a D. I'd give them that C minus. I'd say, you no, know, we'll pass you to the next grade. I like it. But you're really going to have to step up your game if you want to graduate. Yeah, I like it. D was a little more aggressive.
3: But, you know, you come in, you start talking about how great the roster is. And, hey, the 2011 Packers would like to see you in their office, Mike McCarthy, right? I mean, you come oh, in here yeah. talking about the roster, <laughs> and then you can't win a division even without your quarterback. I get that. I mean, and I'm 100% with them on that. the Injuries played a huge role. Let's, like, let's be honest but you can't even win your division when the seven to nine Washington freaking football team's going to be playing uh, Tampa Bay this weekend. Like, come on, like you should have yeah. won the, you should have won the NFC East still you know, that's where I'm at.
2: But you, you know, and, and and I agree with you and I, and I agree with everybody that says that, but let's also look at what happened at the end of the day, they weren't good enough to beat a bad giants team when it all came down to it. So that's the final say on the matter, yeah. but let's also look at what happened. Remember back on Thanksgiving, that short week that they had when they lost somebody, when they lost Marcus Paul, Terrible week. who yep. basically passed away in front of them. So that loss that they had to Washington, remember at that time I said, there's no way that I'm going to use that game as a decision on how this season has gone for the Cowboys outside of that game and then the game against Baltimore, which was completely thrown off because they, they kept having to delay it and getting pushed and all that kind of stuff, and Baltimore's clearly a much better team than them, the Cowboys actually played well down the stretch of the season. They came out of the bye, they beat Minnesota, then they had that game against Washington, which I completely throw out, so you put that loss against Baltimore on their ledger, and then they won games against inferior opponents like they should have. They blew out three inferior opponents, which is a mark of a good team. It's not whether or not you win close games against other good teams it's how much you dominate bad teams and the Cowboys dominated bad teams so if you look at it from the point of view of a brand new coaching staff coming in installing their system you're going to have struggles early in the year and you hope to get better towards the tail end of the season the Cowboys did that they just didn't come through in that final game and even if they did come through in that final game if they ended up 7-9 and nine, they wouldn't have won the division because Washington ended up winning so in the grand scheme of things, the Cowboys basically did what they should have done based on all of the injuries that they had. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't anything to write home about, but in the grand scheme of how you would envision the season to go, when you lose your start franchise quarterback after week five, you lose your uh, pro bowl right tackle before the season starts, you only have two games of your left tackle, your right guard, who is all pro, first ballot Hall of Famer, probably the best offensive lineman in the league, only plays half the season, you can kind of understand how this team is a 6-10, 7-9 team, regardless of what your expectations were. So I think that while this was a miserable existence, there are many reasons to believe that the Cowboys are a true bounce-back candidate, and maybe that's just the all season glory talking right now. But you can see how you can spin this in the, in the mentality of the Cowboys of it wasn't as bad as it feels right now.
3: No, I agree. You, you just sold me. You, you, I agree with you, Katie This is why we work. This is why the podcast has been so fun for me. I, I tend to come in as an irrational football fan and I just have that I'm just irrational and then you say hey hey calm down my man like let me <laughs> let me let me school you on this and I, I agree 100% yeah you, you got a factor in that that Thanksgiving week what a, what a tough terrible week that was and yeah, like, man. you know and yeah and that was a tough loss And ultimately like that kind of proves a difference and yes if they did beat the Giants we would have had a completely different conversation today and it would have been a lot about Doug Peterson and those Eagles (laughs) but we don't don't have to waste our time on that so uh, (laughs) looking at the other 2021 Cowboys free agents uh, we talked a lot about Dak Prescott you know I'm looking at some of these defensive players you know Tyrone Crawford Alden Smith a bunch of cornerbacks like a Luzier on the list Xavier Woods the safety like there's a lot of decisions on their own guys on the defense whether they want to overhaul it what they want to do probably got to find a new defensive coordinator I know they're going to make a decision on Nolan here coming up when you look at that list of free agents that they've got uh, as far as their own guys and maybe specifically on that defensive side what do you think the key targets are there
2: I don't think any of them are key targets. Honestly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't think there's a I don't think there's a free agent on the Cowboys defense that you're sitting there saying they got to bring this guy back. Yeah. Will they bring some of them back? Certainly. They're gonna bring at least two or three of those guys back. But are any of them difference makers? Guys that should be playing a major role in their defense moving forward? Absolutely not. Tyrone Crawford is washed. He's been washed for the last couple of years. I was one of the biggest opponents of the contract that he signed back in twenty fifteen. Great guy. You know, everybody that, that knows him talks about how great a guy he is and what a defensive leader he is, but he's not a very good football player. He's an he's an average football player. Um, he's had basically one year when he stood out he's not anybody that you need to bring back and he's coming off double hip surgery so you know he's he's actually talking about retirement sean lee is probably going to end up retiring um the big names of course as you said are in the secondary where you have should Luzier a former second round pick jordan lewis a former third round pick both of those guys are free and then you have um xavier woods a fourth round pick so that was basically that entire middle uh you know day two early day three of that 2017 draft um I think Xavier Woods is probably the most salvageable of them, but I'm not looking to bring him back on anything but a one-year, you know, $2 million deal, just, you know, a placeholder. If they can't find somebody in the draft that's better than him, or if they can't find somebody in free agency, I wouldn't be opposed to bringing him back. Owousie, uh, because of his draft pedigree and how much cornerbacks get paid, he's going to get 8 to $10 million a year. That's way too much for what he's worth. He's not good. Uh, he doesn't know how to locate the ball. And the coaching staff basically – Made him, uh, CB4. He was CB1 coming into the season. At the end of the year, he was CB4. He got 24 snaps in the last game. That's, that's nothing compared to how everybody else is playing. Uh, Jordan Lewis, uh, he, he's just – he's never fit in. He's one of those guys that uh, the previous coaching staff had a bit of a problem with his attitude and his entitlement. Um, you know, some might say his confidence, but others might say his entitlement. Uh, and then he had just one of the most boneheaded plays in, in Week 17 where he headbutted a guy. Uh, you know, it was just like, come on, man. You got to understand the situation. So those are the types of things, along with Xavier Woods and his comment earlier in the year when he said nobody plays 100% of the time, uh, you know, 100%, 100% of the time. <laughs> it's things that you just don't, the quiet parts you don't say out loud. It might be true, that but don't say it. You new, yeah, that, that, that doesn't get you a new contract. No. So these are the types of things that you look at this roster and you say, based on needing bodies. I think they'll bring back some guys. But are any of these guys really going to be difference makers? There's certainly a chance, and I'll say it with a caveat because, again, nothing's black and white when you're evaluating from a distance or even when you're evaluating up close. And I paid special attention to this, but nothing's black and white. If the Cowboys don't have Mike Nolan come in and try to bring this hybrid defense, if they don't hire Al Harris, if they don't hire Mo Linguist as a secondary guys, does Xavier Woods play as badly as he did this year where he looks completely lost after, for the last two years I've been preaching he's on the verge of being a Pro Bowl player? You don't know what happens when you change the coaching staff and when they try to teach people new technique. If you're a player and you know how to play your game and a coach comes in and says, I need you to play with this backpedal, this way to read a, uh, an offensive player. And you kind of have to do that because you don't want to be seen as a malcontent and going against your coaching, even though that's not how you play best, because you're not a pro bowl player. You don't have the skins on the wall to say, I'm not listening to you. This is how I got to where I got to. Those are the type of guys that you can have a new regime come in and completely screw up your season so it's not that i don't think that xavier woods is not salvageable i just don't know whether or not that can happen in dallas now woozy i've never seen that from him i've never seen anything that made me think that he was going to be a future star player or worth the contract he's going to get but a guy like woods he's probably my prime candidate to bring back and Alda smith if he wants to sign for three million dollars bring him back other than that he disappeared he disappeared
3: yep Yep, no, and I agree with you 100% on, the, on you know, the change in scheme and maybe not playing to a player's strength. Like, you know, last year's Defensive Player of the Year, Stephon Gilmore, he comes to New England, right? Belichick's playing a bunch of zone. Gilmore looks like the worst cornerback in the league out there. All yes. of a sudden you start playing some man and he's locking everybody down. He becomes the Defensive Player of the Year. So, yeah, there's, yeah, there's definitely something to be said about the strength of the players. Did Mike Nolan get the most out of his guys? I don't don't think so. That's probably why he's not going to be back in 2021. (laughs) So, uh, you know, I feel pretty good about the offense, especially, you know, with we'll see what happens with Dak. I'm, I'm expecting him to They're going to figure that thing out, and we know Kellen Moore will be back. Troy Aikman breaking that news on the broadcast. That was pretty fun. Uh, So, Kellen Moore is going to be back. I think, you know, even though there was all these injuries on the offensive line, KD, a lot of young guys got some time. It wasn't always pretty, but some young guys got some time. You need to have a strong offensive line in the NFC East. I mean, Washington has got a nasty defensive line. The Giants are pretty good at getting after the quarterback. Philly's always got a good defensive line, so you got to be strong on the O-line. I actually feel pretty good about that. I'm not too worried about it when guys are healthy and— some of the young guys they have coming back. I feel good about the O. What do you think about picking number ten in the twenty twenty one draft? Let's leave it there. I mean that's where they're at. We they had a shot at getting way up there in the top five didn't happen. So they end up number ten. I think that was a little bit of a it didn't really fall their way in week seventeen, I guess. But uh what do you think? Is there still a chance they might trade back? Do you think now a better chance they actually make their selection at number ten? What are you thinking?
2: I think it's still all on the table. Um the the team that might want to move up they might already be ahead of the Cowboys, you know, the, the other teams that might be trying to move up for a quarterback. But what about the Patriots? Just because, well, yeah, there, there, there's a handful of teams that could be looking to move up for a quarterback. I don't know if Dallas is the target for that. I don't know, you know, you know, based on how things go, we'll, we'll analyze that to the nth degree as the offseason moves along. We have four months to overanalyze everything about the draft. But I think the Cowboys are in a situation where they need help but you have to question whether or not the guys that are going to be available at 10 are the type of impact players that could come in and change the game for them. I think at that range, if you have a guy like Sertain, uh, the second out of Alabama, the corner, or uh, Caleb Farley is a guy out of Virginia Tech who's been mentioned a lot at cornerback. Um, those are the difference makers. They don't. I don't really see a, di- a difference maker at defensive tackle. Uh, Michael Parsons is a difference maker at linebacker. I pray they don't invest in any other high, high pedicree draft pick for a linebacker after what they've done sure. uh, with Jalen Smith sure. and Vanderett. Um But the guy that's so intriguing is adding another piece. You know, there's a, there's a very surefire mentality of strengthen your strength. Yeah. The offense is amazing, but imagine this offense with Kyle Pitts, you know, those... <laughs> if he's there, it's gonna be hard not to pick him. Listen, I mean, you know, all credit to Dalton Schultz uh, for the year that he had. He filled in admirably. um, But, yeah, that lollipop that Andy Dalton threw up at the end of the game, (laughs) Dalton Schultz stood there like he was trying to catch a uh, feather from heaven instead of attacking the ball. He didn't have the right mentality with your season on the line to go attack the ball. That's what I need to see out of your tight end. And I don't know whether or not Blake Jarwin, even if he comes back fully healthy after his torn ACL, He's never been the guy. This was supposed to be the season when he was the guy. We've seen glimpses of potential, but he's never actually been the guy to the point that I would say that if Pitts is staring at me, staring me in the face, and if I don't have confidence in Sertain or Farley being a true number one cornerback then maybe I take pits and I say I deal with everything on the defense later on. So it's all on the table. Trade back, pick offense. If Teron Smith retires, do you pick offensive tackle at that point? You know, all of these things are still in play, and there's so much more in the offseason before we get to that point that it's just going to be a fun four months trying to figure it all out.
3: Well, I know I'll be following your Twitter feed and Cowboys Wire to find out. Yeah, there's, it's going to be fun. It's always fun with the Cowboys. Always, There's always a story. We could keep doing this podcast at the end of the time if we wanted to. We but, could. But, we we're, could but, we're going to, but we're going to take some time. But, uh, you know, I had to throw that question in about the Patriots, KD, but there's no way Belichick's going to trade up with the Cowboys and try to draft some quarterback. We just know that's not going to happen. But as a Patriots guy, I had to throw that in there. So that's kind of, well, I, listen, I apologize.
2: Okay, know? well, let me, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this before we go. Yeah. As a Patriots yeah. guy, if Carson Wentz gives the Eagles $20 million back, do you want Bill Belichick? I'll check to trade for Carson Wentz. Oh,
3: God. Yeah, it depends on what the other option is. If the other option is Cam Newton, <laughs> then probably. Yes, I'll take I'll take Wentz. <laughs> I'll take Wentz. Uh, no. Okay. I, yeah, I love, Cam, I love Cam the guy. Just I'm, I'm afraid he's washed up at this point. Yeah, um, yeah. So, he, he's
2: taken such a beating. Yeah. He has taken such a beating. For
3: 100%. But as far as a guy and as a leader, uh, he's been – He's been tremendous i've I've yeah. loved every second of having Cam Newton on the Patriots, but uh man uh, yeah i've i've already i've I'm wearing my t b twelve sweatshirt as we talk right now Katie so I'm ready for <laughs> I'm all in on Brady here in the playoffs that's what it is that's that's where I'm at, so I gotta tell you man i am yeah I'm more of a fan than a than a you know a, a diehard analyst of you know I'm not breaking down film and so I've learned a ton talking football with you all year, so I've really appreciated it uh I don't know if I said this on the air yet. I know I said it before, but uh, you got a fan, man. You got a new fan in me. I'm, I'm a big fan of yours, and hopefully we can keep working together in the future. All right, man?
2: I appreciate it, man. It's been my absolute pleasure doing these pods with you.
3: Uh, it's been a blast. It's been a blast. So I'm a li- It's a little sad. It's been a tough year, but we're, you know, we're going to put a bow on the Cowboys 2020 season. It's been a blast. Everyone who-, everyone who listened, thanks so much. And for KD, we'll hope to catch you down the road on the Cowboys Wire podcast.